Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. I'm Dan Lobby. Today it is a crossover podcast. We're mocking the entire first round. So all 31 picks of the first round of the NFL draft. It's a crossover pod. So along with Mary Kay Cabot and me, we've got from Buckeye Talk, Doug Maurice and Nathan Baird. From Strictly Stripes, Andrew Gillis and Mohamed Ahmad. We have our rivalry reporter, Jimmy Watkins, and also our NFL draft expert, Tim Bielek. Seems a little unfair to have an NFL draft expert on here, but I think I navigated okay, uh, worked around him a little bit and still made some good picks. Now, quick disclaimer, this was recorded before the Aaron Rodgers trade became official, nothing big, but of course, that just means the Jets and the Packers are picking in their original spots when you listen to this. So just keep that in mind as we go along. All right, I'm going to hand things over now to Doug Maurice. Here is our crossover podcast doing the entire first round of the NFL draft. Then we have eight Cleveland.com employees on this podcast. For our Browns fans, our Bengals fans, our Ohio State fans, we're getting everybody together. We've assigned all the teams in the league to different people on this staff and eight of us here. We have Andrew Gillis and Mohammed Ahmad from our Bengals team. We have Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot from our Browns team. We have me and Nathan Baird from our Ohio State coverage. We have Tim Bielek, our NFL draft expert, and we have Jimmy Watkins, our rivalry reporter. And we are going to make all 31 first-round picks in this draft, and we are going to get right to it. We're going to try to get you guys through this quickly. I think this kind of mock draft is the most interesting because when you do your own mock draft, and Tim, you've been doing these, we all do different things. You do a Bengals mock draft. You do a Browns mock draft. We draft where Ohio State guys are going to go. But you have one person's thinking. Now we have eight people thinking, and that thinking is going to collide and clash and make interesting choices. First up, the Carolina Panthers. and. This has become apparent over the past couple of weeks how this is going to go. It felt like it was going to be Bryce Young. Then it felt like maybe it's going to be C.J. Stroud. The betting markets reflected that. Now, Bryce Young, the heavy, 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 heavy favorite for the Carolina Panthers to go number one on Thursday night. Does anyone think they would not take Bryce Young if they were the Carolina Panthers in this draft? Or if we are voting here, are we a unanimous 8 nothing that Bryce Young should be the number one pick? Doesn't look like we have dissenters necessarily. Jimmy Watkins might be dissenting. He's a he's a rival reporter. He sees everything from the opposite side. So he's like, I don't know about this. Jimmy, what are you thinking? Yeah, I've been accused of being a contrarian in the past among among friends and others. But um I just think 
the there's a ton of risk involved with with handing the keys of your franchise over to Bryce Young because of the the size concerns and the way he plays, right? Like he's kind of freestyling out there a lot of the time, which is great, but it's also concerning when you're six foot, a buck ninety, whatever, or however, depending on how much how many protein shakes he's had that day, right? And then C.J. Stroud is universally we all agree C.J. Stroud is an incredible passer who uh, puts the ball exactly where it needs to be. Maybe the arm the arm talent ceiling isn't quite as high as you would prefer. Neither is Bryce Young's though. And the the big knock they keep hearing about CJ over and over again is like, oh, is he going to be willing to run enough? Which I find to be a weird criticism in the first place. And then, you know, we did see him implement that skill to about the highest level possible in the college football playoff game against Georgia, which is the closest fast simile that we have to an NFL defense that's not in the NFL. So, yeah, I, I mean, definitely, definitely should be some dissent there, I think. Not a slam dunk decision. Tim, you've been following this draft from the jump. Is Bryce been your guy from the get-go, or have you pondered somebody else here at number one? He'd be, he's my, been my guy for months right now. I, I've been saying, you know, a couple times that if Bryce Young were 6'2", 215 pounds, this would be a slam dunk number one pick. It's because he's 5'10". It's because, you know, he's just a shade over 200 pounds that, that's there, that there's this discussion. And obviously, you know, we've seen Kyler Murray, you know, he's an under, another undersized quarterback. He's been having injury issues to Atagabaloa, you know, an undersized guy. He's been having injury issues. So there's there's natural reason for concern about Bryce Young's size. I 100% get it. But I feel like with Young's game, he's not necessarily running to run. He's running to throw. And everything else about Bryce Young's game is spectacular. Maybe his arm could be a little stronger, but the way he processes the game is there. The clutch factor is there. There's just... You, you name it, he, he checks the boxes for a large amount of what I think NFL teams should be looking for in their starting quarterback. Just a question of how comfortable are you with the fact that, you know, he's five foot ten. Dan, would you go Bryce Bryce Young here? Or would you ponder something else? I, I would go Bryce Young. I, I'm with Tim. If he were 6'2", 220, I think teams would have tanked for this guy. I, I think he's that good. Um, Every time I've watched him play, I'm just blown away by something he does. But he's not 6'2", 220. And you as a general manager have to decide, do you want to stake your career to an outlier? And that's what he would be if he becomes a successful, you know, if you're taking him number one, you want him to be a top 10, hopefully top five quarterback at some point. So that's what you're staking yourself to an outlier. Um, So that would be the pause. And then you ask yourself, okay, if I'm going to roll the dice on somebody, do I roll the dice on this guy who I kind of know what he is? Or do I start thinking about Anthony Richardson? who it might seem crazy, but if I believe he can turn into something super special, do I would I rather roll the dice on that? So I think it's a complicated discussion. I would take Bryce Young uh, just because I, I love the guy. But I think because of the size, it is a discussion, and I think it's a fair one. At the NFL Combine, Frank Reich, the Carolina Panthers coach, was talking and said, like, hey, I, just like volunteered, I'm good with the Bryce Young size. I don't think that's an issue. And it's like, well, does he really mean that? Is he lying? Like, what is this? So I, I think it does make sense. I think he's almost like an outlier of the outliers that he's smaller, but he doesn't run like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but he's also more athletic than Baker Mayfield. Like, I do think he's an athlete in the pocket that I, I think Bryce Young is great. I think CJ Stroud also could make sense here, but if we are taking Bryce Young for the Carolina Panthers, I think we're in lockstep with everybody else in the NFL. 
And that's what we're going to do. Bryce Young is off the board, number one to the Carolina Panthers, which brings the Houston Texans on the clock. I am the Houston Texans, Doug Maurice, in this draft, and we have a trade. We worked this trade out before the draft. There are multiple teams that might be interested in a quarterback, and we have the Indianapolis Colts with Mary Kay Cabot jumping up from number four to number two. The trade, it's the number four pick. It's the number 79 overall pick in this draft in the third round, and it's a second-round pick next year to get the Colts from four to two. Mary Kay Cabot, first of all, why did you make this trade to move the Colts up? I'll tell you what, there's a lot of gamesmanship going on uh, with these quarterbacks. There is a, you know, a lot of uh, just uh, conflicting reports coming out. We've seen things coming out on CJ Strout now getting dinged because of the S2 cognitive test. Uh, so there's all kinds of things going on. And I just don't think that you can take any chances. When you need a quarterback, you have to roll the dice and you have to do whatever you can. And if you have a guy in mind, it's really worth anything. Look what the Browns did uh, for Deshaun Watson. They gave up three first-round picks to get Deshaun Watson. So this, to me, is a small price to pay to move up into the number two hole and to get the quarterback that you absolutely want. And it might be not might be what you guys are thinking, but uh, it's what I would do here and what I think maybe maybe the Colts will do here. You ready? And and I was willing, we'll hold off for one second. Yeah. As the Texans, I was willing to trade down from number two because I'm making the Texans follow the Browns plan from a couple years ago, which is take the quarterback last. So I'm thinking the Texans are aiming for a quarterback next year. They have the Browns first round pick next year as well. They're adding more capital here. And I'm going to take for a defensive head coach, D'Amico Ryans, I'm now targeting a defensive player with where the, the Texans are going to pick at number four. And to me, if Bryce Young's off the board, I just don't know. I just have never felt right about C.J. Stroud to the Texans. And then Will Levis is the betting favorite, Andrew, right now. Will Levis is the betting favorite to go at number two. But to me, if you're the Texans, if you're not getting the guy you love, I'd rather wait and add capital and build defense than try to take Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or somebody here if Stroud is not your guy. And now all of a sudden, you probably can't take Caleb Williams or Drake May or somebody else next year. Andrew, do you think I'm making a mistake by trading out of this pick for the Texans at two? No, because um, I watch college football this year. Caleb Williams is really good. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I mean, personally, this is kind of what I would do if I was Houston. Um, you know, I think you're in a unique spot with kind of all the extra picks that you have uh, over this year and next year. And I mean, you look at a quarterback this year. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who's going to go into a situation that is still not going to be that great. So, I mean, I look at this as a, as a really good situation to, to get a really good player still that can help you out. Um, you know, you don't have to go quarterback here. And uh, I mean, next year, I mean, <laughs> Caleb Williams is, is coming and and he's a very, very real, um, you know, top of the line draft prospect. Like we, we can project this out and he, he's going to be uh, he's going to be at the top of the board. So is Drake May. So, yeah, I, I think with the extra picks, you know, if you have a decent season, you're you're feeling pretty good about, you know, you're feeling pretty good about going into next year, even if you still need a quarterback, because I, I would feel better about next year's top two than I would this year's top two. And Nathan, I know just our draft discussions over the course of this, you've had some trepidation about Houston trading within the division with the Colts in this scenario. Does this feel wrong to you? I, I still have some doubts about whether that would, would happen, especially if they know they're giving the Colts their 
choice of the of the quarterback they want within the conference. So maybe they'd make them pay a little bit more to do this. This, as, as Mary Kay said, this isn't a huge price to pay necessarily to move up uh, to the number two spot to take a quarterback. So maybe they would um, they'd have some leverage to hold them over the barrel a little bit more. From the Colts' perspective, though, I think it makes a lot of sense because that it's just been such a problem for an otherwise pretty sound franchise now for several years. They've got to solve quarterback. They've got to solve it. In the 17 draft, when the Bears went from three to two to take Mitch Trubisky, they got they gave up two threes and a four to move up. So I got a two and a three here. So I don't know. I just sent this to Mary Kay. And she was like, sure. And I was like, wait, should I have asked for more? But that's why I'm not a GM. <laughs> Mary Kay, the Colts are on the clock at number two. Who are you taking? You know what? I am taking Anthony Richardson here. <laughs> I thought you were coming up for CJ. Whoa, Mary Kay. Why? Why? I'm going Anthony Richardson. And you're not going to like the answer to this, Doug, but he does have a little bit of Josh Allen in him, in my opinion. Uh, uh, he I'm is. Leaving. I'm leaving the pod. <laughs> He's big. He's really athletic. Uh, according to, you know, now there is some S2 cognitive. Uh, you know, controversy going on right now, as as I talked about. Uh, I don't know if those scores are true or not, but if they are, Anthony Richardson scored fairly high in the 79th percentile. I think it's vitally important. We've watched a lot of quarterbacks come into the NFL that can't process quickly enough. I think it's the difference maker. I think it what is. I think it's what makes a quarterback either wildly successful in the NFL or a flop. And I think he's got it. Again, I don't know if C.J. Stroud really is in the 18th percentile or not. I've heard the guy who invented the, uh, you know, the test say that these numbers are, are not accurate that are out there, but it just sent up a red flag for me. But just in terms of, you know, in watching Anthony Richardson's tape, he's so incredibly athletic. He's not all that experienced. So some of it is a projection, but I can see it. I can definitely see it. Uh, the athleticism, the agility, the size, uh, the processing speed, the age, he's only 20 years old. And then Shane Steichen, the head coach of the Colts, has come from coaching Jalen Hurts. And I just think he's going to know exactly what to do with an Anthony Richardson. I think he's going to nail it. I think these guys are going to be dynamite together. And this is where I think Anthony Richardson belongs. I traded with her, and I thought she was taking CJ. Mohamed, what do you think of this move, that C that Mary Kay gets aggressive, goes from four to two for the Colts, and then takes Anthony Richardson? <laughs> well, I think the interesting part is comparing him to Josh Allen. I, I don't know. I mean, like, Josh Allen is a gazelle. Like, the dude's 6'5". I don't know if he's 250. That's pretty big. But, like, he's up there. I mean, no knock on Anthony Richardson. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a top 10 pick. But, whoo, number two, that is... Mary Kay, you are bold. I, I would never do that. So I, I have respect for you for like taking a bold pick like that. But I don't know. I just think it's hard to say because, again, he's not a bad guy. I think he has a bright future. I just don't know if I'm ready to pull out the Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger comparison. Maybe I'm the contrarian when it comes to like wanting to see more than I've seen. I mean, the dude can throw the ball. We saw his pro day where like he had that viral clip of that really high spout he threw. So Maybe I don't know what I'm saying. Like you said, maybe that's why I, I cover this team and I'm not a GM. So I don't know. I think maybe Mary Kay's onto something that we just don't know. She she's the insider, guys. She's got it. Who knows? Mary Kay's history of like saying something. <laughs> I like this quarterback before a draft. Then a team not picking that quarterback, and then the quarterback that Mary Kay says she likes being very good is long and deep. 
So if Mary Kay <laughs> Cabot's taking somebody at number two, pay attention. We're going to go to number three in the draft. It's Tim Bielek as the Arizona Cardinals. Tim, you were open for business at number three with the Cardinals. Did you get any bites? Yes, I did. And we have a trade to announce, unfortunately, for Dan. Um, we had a trade originally agreed to, but I was swooped. The pick was swooped up at the last minute by a can't-miss offer from, from Raiders general manager Jimmy Watkins. So Arizona trades pick three to Las Vegas for pick seven and 38 and a second-round pick in next year's draft. Because Arizona, here in Arizona, we need a whole new defense. So getting three early picks to redo the entire defense – Slam dunk deal. Wow. So Jimmy got hot. Um, you So Tim, you had a deal in place with Detroit at number six, and then Vegas at number seven made a better offer. Is that correct, Tim? 100%. I'm, I'm I, sorry, Dan, but uh, you know, business is business. I think what Tim means to say is he stabbed us in the back. He just <laughs> <squatted>. <laughs> hey, we, you didn't offer a one and two twos. I'll, is uh, so this? I, I, can I say this? When, when Anthony Richardson went off the board, that kind of made me hedge a little bit because this this is the only time anyone has ever said this about the Detroit Lions. They're like the perfect landing spot for Anthony Richardson because they have a quarterback in place who shouldn't be their long-term quarterback. They have a brilliant offensive coordinator. They have a bunch of weapons as long as one of them can stay off draft kings. They're in a good spot. So I would love Anthony Richardson in Detroit to take over that scenario in, in one to two years. So I was a little disappointed when he was gone. Um, but I certainly would have been happy to take C.J. Stroud uh, as as well here. Okay, so we'll remember this when we do this a year from now. Uh, Tim, Dan is mad at you, so just keep that in <laughs> mind for next year's trades. But we have Jimmy Watkins, the bold GM of the Las Vegas Raiders, coming to three. Jimmy, who are you coming for? And why did you feel the impetus to make this deal? I was just trying to <clears throat> channel my inner Raider. Like I know that this is a team that is, by appearances – run by two Patriots guys who who might not think about doing this deal, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, but the spirit of Al still lives on in his son and, and in the colors and in the fan base. And you know what? I understand that we just paid a veteran quarterback some guaranteed money, but now another shiny quarterback has become available and uh, we're jumping at it. And I'm going to take CJ Stroud, spoiler at the beginning there. I didn't think I was going to be able to trade up for him, but again, I think, for all of the discussion about ceiling and athleticism and this and that, it is very important for the ball to go where you want it to go when you throw it. C.J. Stroud does that as well as anyone in this year's draft. Yes, of course, we have concerns about the offensive line we're going to put him behind and about perhaps the number of points he might have to score given our situation on the defensive side of the ball. But we're the Raiders. We are outlaws. And we make decisions based on our own internal difficult-to-read code. Jimmy, quick answer here. Would you have made this deal if Stroud was gone? Would you have made it for Richardson? Or did you only make this once Stroud was available? We're going to wait for Richardson at seven. And if he went before then, good for him. So this deal got struck after the the Colts made their picket too. Yeah, this came together within the last five minutes. Wow, (laughs) the last five seconds. Nathan, Nathan, you know C.J. Stroud. What do you think of this fit of C.J. Stroud to Vegas? I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I would still take CJ Stroud second in this draft. Um, I, I have kind of the way I've kind of reconciled it in my head in recent weeks is if you think he is like a Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill kind of player, but you think Bryce Young 
could be Russell Wilson, then you have to drive Russell Wilson. Like it, it's too simple to do it comps like that. But that second thing you're settling for could be Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill has been a starter in this league for a long time and, and won a lot of games. So I, I play like we can't, I think there are maybe some teams and certainly some analysts who have over uh, shot the high floor that is here. Um, I'm reasonably certain that CJ Stroud can get in the NFL uh, and, and read NFL defenses to the extent that he needs to. It's weird to have had the C2 uh, test stuff come up in these last couple of weeks as, as Doug can attest, because that's the 180 degrees opposite impression that we've gotten of CJ Stroud, both from watching him and listening to everybody talk about him in these last couple of weeks. I mean, you can look at the, the, the go ahead touchdown that he threw against Notre Dame was reading something in the defense and, and, and making a, a change off of that. The, the huge, some huge, a huge completion to help beat Penn state was reading something in the defense and the communication on the field between himself and Marvin Harrison jr. Like there's a lot of examples of that. And it's, it's, it's odd that maybe some of the, the demonstrative film is getting overlooked because of this supposed test. So I'm, I'm still skeptical. I think some of that could be misinformation and there are teams that are hoping that he falls just as Jimmy was. I love this draft so far. We're going to take a quick break and reset. We have three quarterbacks in the first three picks. We have two monster trades. I think we're going to settle down and go a little bit quicker. And we'll do that next on the special crossover mock draft from cleveland.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Doug Maurice back to reset with Tim Beal, Nathan Baird, Jimmy Watkins, Andrew Gillis, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Muhammad Ahmad. We are at pick four. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, the first three picks to Carolina, Indianapolis, and Vegas. Houston now on the clock at pick four after the trade down from pick two. I'm going to make this easy. I'm going to take Will Anderson. I thought if if I could not make a trade as the Texans, this who is, is who I would have taken it to. And trading down, I would have been happy to get a defensive player here, Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. I'll take Will Anderson at number four. Tim, does this make sense? Will Anderson to Houston in a trade like this? If he was in last year's draft, he would have been the number one pick easily. I think he was better than Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, this is a guy who can be a cornerstone of a pass rush. Like you said, you know, for the Houston Texans, they still need they need that cornerstone guy on defense to be that building block. D'Amico Ryans will probably be, you know, doing jump, doing cartwheels if Will Anderson falls to four if they do trade down like in this scenario. All right. We're going to move to Seattle at number five. Andrew Gillis, you are up with this pick. Yeah. Uh, didn't like the way that the that the trades went down. Um, you know, I thought uh, some texts were sent if we could move out of five. You know, I, you know, I think four quarterbacks going in the top four would really be good for Seattle. Uh, not a lot of interest, though, because I'm not sure Detroit's taking a quarterback. Not sure Arizona's taking a quarter. Like you, you can just kind of go down the line. Not sure quarterbacks are going. Um, so we're going to go defensive line. Uh, we're going to take Jalen Carter. Uh, you know, I think he's a really, really good interior prospect. And I mean, you kind of look at that defense. Uh, you've got Tariq Woolen on the back end. You've got two young pass rushers that almost have ten sacks. Now you get a guy up the middle. Um, you know, they've taken guys that have had some, you know, some character concerns in the past. Uh, obviously, Jalen Carter is going to be one of those guys, but. 
you know, he's a really good football player and, he, and I think he transforms the interior of your defense. And that's a really thing to gain a really hard thing to game plan for, for opposing offenses. So uh, we're going to take Jalen Carter and we're you know going to feel pretty good about it. Mary Kay, you have a, a lot of experience in dealing with stuff like this. Jalen Carter, a great player on the field has this off field situation with high speed driving some stuff w- with the cops with that. How do you think that will should affect how do teams handle something like this when you have a guy who maybe on film and on talent might be the most talented player in this draft, but he has something else? Well, I think you have to look at the organization. There was a period of time in which, you know, if the Browns were picking a player that had off the field issues, uh, you would know that it was going to be a train wreck. Uh, but if you're talking about an organization that has a good infrastructure and, uh, you know, a good strong head coach uh, and a, a good GM, uh, and, and just a, a good support system, then they've done their due diligence, then they know what they're looking at, they know what they're talking about, and they can handle it. Sometimes you can bring in a player that has some baggage and it goes fine. Uh, but it all depends on uh, the team making the pick. So in this case, uh, I'm okay with it because I think that Seattle can handle it. All right, that's going to bring us to pick six, the Detroit Lions. Dan Lobby, I gave you the Lions because you love the barge rivalry. Browns and Lions, and I wanted you to live half the barge. I wanted you to live the other half of the barge. How does it feel to be a Detroit Lion general manager, Dan? It's uh, it's incredible. Um, to you know, just thinking about the barge, seeing the barge whenever I get an opportunity, just you know, holding it up, just cherishing the moments I have with it. I'm hanging out with John Dorsey a lot uh, up here in Detroit. Uh, did you guys know JT Barrett works for us now? We got we got him around. I did. So uh, he was at the Ohio State spring game in a blue shirt. Yeah, see? The Detroit Lions. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm feeling good as as Detroit Lions general manager. I wish that I could have gotten my quarterback. I could take Will Levis here still if I wanted to, but I just I don't know. I'm not sold on him long term, and so I just want to make my team better. Uh, I think I still have some questions, especially with the Jamison Williams situation. I still have some questions at receiver. I, I like my weapons. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, obviously fantastic. Uh, I think Jamison Williams is really good, but I'm going to actually add one more weapon here. And I'm going to take a wide receiver off the board because I would have taken Jalen Carter if he would have dropped, but he was obviously taken right before here. I'm going to take Jackson Smith and Jigba with the number six pick in the draft. That is Hot. Nathan, what do we think of Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State going six to the Lions? That is is quite a reversal from where he was, you know, just a few months ago. And what he did at the Combine, what he did at Ohio State's Pro Day, I think really rejuvenated his draft stock, which was was pretty high, obviously, coming out of last season before he had the hamstring injury that basically cost him all of this year. And just, again, who knows what to believe in all the things that we're hearing out there. But I, you, I was reading something today where an NFL GM supposedly uh, had said that there was only one receiver in this draft with a first round grade, and that was Jackson Smith and Jigba. So if you want that playmaker, this is you, you go get him. And I think this is a really smart pick by the Lions because uh, they need those kind of guys. Dan, just real quick again, the, the suspension of Jamison Williams for, is it six games? Is that correct? For the, yeah, the gambling six, issue? Six did, that influence this, did that influence this pick at all? I mean, I mean a little bit, which honestly is probably bad process, but also like I haven't exactly seen what Jameson Williams can do for my football team just yet. He was coming off the ACL last year and certainly things looked promising, but I, I haven't seen it. So to me, 
if I'm not going to get my quarterback and a guy that I can develop and grow, I'm just going to continue to build around that quarterback. And I like my offensive line. You know, I don't want to take a running back here. There's potential here that I have three really good receivers and not to make Lions fans, you know, go back to the Matt Millen years when all they did was draft receivers in the first round. This just feels like the right guy to take here. And again, I have a brilliant offensive coordinator. I've got a quarterback that can work if there's enough weapons around him and I've got to make the playoffs this year. So I'm, I'm just going to add another weapon. It is worth mentioning that Jackson Smith and Jigba in a roundabout way is the reason why Jamison Williams did not end his career at Ohio state. Like his emergence, them wanting to put him in the slot, Garrett Wilson outside for 2021. That's why Jamison Williams went to Atlanta, had the amazing season he did, became a first round pick. But there's a there's a chain reaction that these two guys have already been involved with. And it, it would be interesting to have that being kind of recreated a little bit in the NFL. Yep. Jamison Williams, the transfer from Ohio State to Alabama, picked in the first round by Detroit last year at number 12. Now the Lions go back to receiver in the first round again. That brings us to Arizona, the trade down. Tim, you're up. What are you doing? Well, when I traded down, I figured I was sacrificing Will Anderson, but I'd ra- considering where this draft is strong, I'd rather, you know, I, I didn't want to drop too far, so I stayed at seven. I Seven was as far as I was willing to go. Um, they need Arizona basically needs an entire new defense. J.J. Watt retired. They lost Byron Murphy to free agency, Zach Allen to free agency, Jonathan Gannon's a new head coach, the def- former defensive coordinator for the Eagles. So I am going to get a cornerstone, a potential cornerstone piece to build this defense. So with the seventh pick, the Arizona Cardinals select Tyree Wilson, edge rusher, Texas Tech, 6'5", 271. Tremendous production at Texas Texas Tech. Seven sacks in each of his last two seasons. A combined 27 and a half tackles were lost. He's a giant human being. And Arizona really needs to restart his pass rushing. So they go fill the second most important position on a football field. A guy they could build their defense around. If he was gone, I was, expect, full, I was fully expecting the Lions potentially or the Seahawks to take. Tyree Wilson, and if that happened, I would take him Christian Gonzalez as my number one corner. But with two third round pick, second round picks, Cardinals can wait for the corner. They we go get Tyree Wilson at seven. Yeah, that's a good pick. That would have been a reasonable pick for Arizona staying at three. So to trade down, Tim, get Wilson anyway, get all the capital you got. That's well done by you, which brings us to pick eight and the Atlanta Falcons. Muhammad, you are up. What are you doing? Tim, shame on you. I was just drooling over Tyree Wilson, and I said, I just had a feeling you were going to do it. Um, So I guess that kind of sort of gives away where I'm leaning, and that's obviously defense. And this was a tough one. I had to really think about this one, but this is going to be the cliche pick, the one that a lot of people are picking. And with this pick, I have the Atlanta Falcons selecting Nolan Smith, edge rusher out of Georgia. I understand, you know, he's – you're kind of modern, undersized edge rusher, especially because I don't think he's 250. He's probably closer to 240, but easy fix in the weight room. Definitely a three-down player. I mean, his PFF grades, I'm looking at it right now, 90-plus run defense grade over the last two seasons, which in case you've been under a rock, Georgia won a national championship each of those two two years. Sorry, Doug, I know you're probably still a little bitter about that because I know you were in Atlanta for that. But yeah, I know, obviously, he, he he probably needs a little more power in his elements. And again, I guess that goes back to him being just under 250, which I think is an easy fix. Beyond that, he checks every other box I'm looking for. So yeah, give me Nolan Smith. I will take him. That's a good pick. That guy was the number one overall recruit in the class of 2019. Had maybe like a little bit of a slow start to his career, but then was awesome at the end. And so um, that's a good story. You're Drafting a Georgia Bulldog in Atlanta, that'll sell. Yep. You're going to sell some jerseys, Muhammad. Not that's why, it's not why we do it. We're trying to build a team here. 
But I like that pick. Uh, it's a little bit of an upside pick. I think that's a smart one for Atlanta at number eight, which brings us to a decision. Nathan Baird, your Chicago Bears fan. You have the Chicago Bears here. There are some things that have fallen here. Some guys probably you were thinking about are gone, but you also have some high options here for the Bears that I know you like. So the guy that I was hoping would fall this far, um, but I think that the the hate has rebounded now, was Jalen Carter. If Jalen Carter was here at nine, that's who I was going to have the Bears take. Right now, you have a situation where the, the two best corners are still on the board. The, all the best offensive tackles are still on the board. And as I said on a, a pod that we did for Monday for Buckeye Talk, I think the Bears, if I was the Bears, I would trade out here. And that is what I'm doing. I am making a trade with uh, Mary Kay slash the Patriots. I'm going to take number 14 and number 46 and give her number nine. Mm-hmm. God, you guys are great. I love you guys. <laughs> I can't believe we're pulling all these trades together. Oh, these secret texts and emails. Mary Kay, what what gave you the, the thought of, hey, you're, you you had to be Bill Belichick in this draft. You had to be Bill Belichick. You are in Bill's head. Why why do you like this move for the Patriots to move up? You know what? I, I am in Bill Belichick's head right now and maybe probably going to do something a little different than people would expect him to do at this point. But Bill Belichick knows enough to know that he's not going to get anywhere without a quarterback. I don't know that they're sold on on Mac Jones. I think he probably would like to upgrade there if he can. And so that is the reason for the trade up. And going with Will Levis here at number nine. I'm so happy. I'm so happy this is going so well. <laughs> this is fascinating. This is fascinating. This is almost, Dan, this is almost like the anti-Mac Jones a little bit. Mac Jones is like, hey, I was like a third string guy and I threw to a bunch of good guys in college and the offense was awesome, but how good am I really? And Will Levis is like, I'm big. I can throw it 100 yards. I can run, but I don't know. Like this is such an upside swing by Bill Belichick here. What do you think, Dan? I like it. I think it's a bold move. And obviously, look, all the signs are pointing to like, Mac Jones and the Patriots just kind of being like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I actually kind of like this move to, to go up and get Will Levis. I don't know what I think of Levis like long-term, if he's going to make it in the NFL, but if you're just thinking, go find a quarterback, bring him in, let him compete and develop, you know, I like it. Be bold, go, go get the guy. So now you got Mac Jones versus Will Levis versus Bailey Zappi. Bring it on. The training camp battle we all need. <laughs> and we are getting such a window into Mary Kay Cabot, the GM. Two trades up to get the two most athletic quarterbacks. Well, Bryce is athletic in his own way. These are big, giant, running, throwing, like rare kind of dudes. And Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and Mary Kay Cabot, you got both of them. You are an upside swing, traits, ceiling kind of quarterback person and you're trying to find guys who are going to be Super Bowl quarterbacks for your franchises and you're willing to go get them, Mary Kay. Yeah, I, I think it's so vitally important. I mean, you you know, you can find almost anything anywhere else except for, uh, you know, a, you know, Miles Garrett type of edge rusher, a Will Anderson type of guy. Um, but, you know, why not take the swing on the quarterback? I remember back when, um, when the Browns, I guess it was a 2013 draft. Now, I, I'm forgetting what year it was, to be honest with you. When was... Geno Smith drafted. Does anybody, can anybody help me out with that real quick? 13, 2013. 13. That's right. Yep. Okay. 
So back in that draft, I was saying that the Browns should draft Geno Smith and that they should build around him. And it was really kind of a traits thing. Again, it was, you know, mobility, arm, different things like that. And the alternative was there, there weren't any great alternatives, but the Browns went with Barkevius Mingo instead. Okay. Um, now I'm not saying that Geno Smith would have turned out what he ultimately turned out to be, uh, for, for Seattle last year, but I would have rather, I would have rather taken the chance on a quarterback there than on Barkevius Mingo. Cause you can find an edge rusher. You can go out and buy yourself an edge rusher if you need one. Take swings on quarterbacks, try to develop them. If they don't work out, then it's it's really no great huge loss. I just want to throw this out there. If if the Patriots are going to trade up to take Will Levis, and this this is a discussion that I think a number of these teams could have, why not just give up the, the two first round picks and sign Lamar Jackson? It's a good point. It's a good point. And I, yeah, I'm I mean, saying that I haven't anybody, looked at the right? Yeah, and you're app. saying this to anybody, anybody trading up. If you're willing to trade up for quarterbacks, why not get a sure thing and give up picks that way? Yeah. And I, I think, look, I don't have the Patriots cap in front of me right now. I don't know what their situation is, but you can always make it work if you really want the guy. I think particularly if you're the Patriots and, and Bill Belichick, just given timelines, wants to win very soon, right? Like, don't know how long a guy's going to be coaching. For some teams, it might be. Well, we're not in that place, and we want cost-controlled contract situation. Before the, I think for, for the Patriots, especially, that makes a lot of sense. Mary Kay, can you text Bill and tell him to do that? Like you're yeah. in his head. Yeah, I, I, I might. Now, here's another thing. And again, you know, we don't know if the S two cognition stuff is actually true or not. But Will Levis was in the ninety third percentile. Bryce Young was super high. Um, again. We won't know for a long time, but I think that that is the kind of thing that that Bill Belichick looks for, because that's obviously what Tom Brady had. That's what made Tom Brady who he was, was his ability to process. So I think it's vitally important. If I may also on Will Levis, you know, Mary Kay, you mentioned it, Anthony Richardson, in your mind, compared to Josh Allen. To me, Will Levis is Josh Allen. He's Mm -hmm. Josh Allen almost in the exact same sense, except I think he's more of a power runner than Josh Allen was. I mean, to me, Anthony Richardson kind of reminds me of like a more raw Cam Newton just because he's got, he's an uber athlete. I mean, he's not just a great athlete, he's uber athlete. Mm-hmm. All right, Tim, let's stick with you. We have number 10. You are the Philadelphia Eagles with both their picks in this first round. What are you thinking here at 10 for Philly? Bijan Robinson. That pick. was quick, man. Easiest Ooh, pick lock for me. Loaded. As soon as I got the assignment for number 10, I'm like, this is the easiest pick for me. You just signed Jalen Hurts to a $255 million contract. They just lost Miles Sanders in free agency, I believe it's Carolina Panthers. They get the immediate replacement and probably an upgrade. Robinson is one of the best backs that come out in the last few years. I the only the, literally the only concern about him I have about him workload. He had a heavy, heavy, heavy workload in Texas. That's literally the only concern I have. But if you're going to take, if you got the 10th pick, which they got with thanks to a very shrewd trade to get that top 10 pick coming off a Super Bowl loss, you know, to go, you know, move on from Miles Sanders, a pretty good running back to get an upgrade as a rookie. I mean, there's just, there's going to be very little drop off. If, if anything, that running game might be even better. Andrew, this is high, right, for a running back. I do think there's some comparisons here to when Ezekiel Elliott was coming out, and he went fourth. Bijan, 10th here. 
is he rare enough to justify a running back going this high, Andrew? I mean, if there was one, it's him. Uh, because to me, the Bijan conversation isn't a Bijan conversation specifically. Like, if you kind of look at the talent of the last, you know, five, 10 years of, of running backs that have gone in the first round, you know, you could make the case he's got as much talent as or is better than a, a better a prospect than Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley. Like he's in that, like he's in that class. So to me, I think this is kind of a, um, this is, this is kind of a way to, to show how, how much the league has changed. I mean, where does Bijan Robinson get drafted in 2009? Like if Bijan Robinson is is just everything's the same, that man's a top five pick, and teams are feeling very very good about that. Personally, I wouldn't have done that if I was Philly. Um, I, you know, I I, I like uh, I like kind of what they have in the backfield. I'm still a Rashad Penny truther. Uh, I think if healthy, he can be really good. I just and again. Are you the only one? You must be the only one. It's a lonely a island. Though. Rashad Penny really truthers, they island. exist in the <laughs> world. Like, Again, like, and I know, um, I know Jimmy's a Trey Sermon guy. Like, they've got they've got options in the backfield. Oh what? yeah, we're yeah. Jimmy and I are very Trey much like Sermon. Up running back what are we doing? Okay, that was an unnecessary <laughs> stray from see, like was it Andrew and I being in a fantasy you? football league together three years ago. That's insane. <laughs> Jimmy, no, you we're at work. Calm okay, down. no, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we need. Jimmy told me this weekend he was a Trey Sermon guy. Like this past weekend, April twenty. What I said was. This is this doesn't mean anything to anyone listening to this podcast. That's fine. But I couldn't let that. Fly. What I said to Andrew, what I said to Andrew after we had both consumed several beers, is that I renamed my team after Trey Sermon to de- like make sure that he doesn't go unnoticed. I already I've considered the pick a whiff, but we're now we're doing it to avenge the Trey Sermon pick that we were so convicted okay. in. I don't know. I don't know. I just like, so now we're in drunken fantasy football Philly. talk here. Right? Now that we okay. know what yeah, we're doing. Sure. Okay. That's where that's, that's, I just want, if anyone from advance is listening, that's where Andrew decided to take the conversation. Not me. No, we're not. People drink beers. It's okay. You guys are of age, right? You guys are 21. Aren't you? I mean, you're very young. I can't don't tell care about, how don't old care you about the beers. Just care about you're the not fan. teenagers. You're I not teenagers. The, I just think the everyone else's fantasy football team conversation. We don't need that. So I, this feels like a luxury pick, but the Eagles made the Super Bowl. They have a multitude of picks. They can take luxury picks. Like, this is what good teams do. They take good players. And they're going to throw the ball to Bijan. I know Bijan told him, I'm not a running back. I'm a playmaker. I think this is good, especially once we started listing other Eagles running backs. And I was like, oh, no, Andrew's listing the other options. No, take Bijan. This sounds great. So, Jimmy, you are now up with Tennessee at number 11. One of the things that happened, and we have talked about this, and we'll get to this when we get this pick later. Whenever an offensive tackle is taken, there's an offensive tackle taken in the top 10 basically every year, often multiple guys. I think it's like 13 of the last 15 years or something, a tackle has gone in the top 10. We have not taken a tackle in the top 10. That's something that could be on the board for Tennessee. Jimmy, I'm not trying to make your pick for you, but let's keep an eye on the tackles. Jimmy, where are you going here for the Titans? One of two positions we're considering. Um, the other is is defensive back. And we have a defensive coach. We have a new general manager who might want to get along with that coach who has, I think Mike Vrabel has a fair amount of, of sway over what happens in Tennessee just because of the success that he has there and, and the, um, the clout, I guess, that he has built up in that organization. So we'd like to, we'd like to appease Coach Vrabel and go with Devon Weatherspoon from Illinois. Uh, cool. It's a cool story. He sort of, Started a junior co- as a junior college guy, then realized 
through, I think he had like a late SAT score or something come in that made him eligible when he was originally academically ineligible to had one big, had one power five offer, took it at Illinois, built himself into the kind of player that he is today. This is like, this is the kind of stuff that football people eat up. This is exactly the kind of backstory that, that the intangibles crowd likes to see. Uh, Devon Witherspoon's a great cover corner. He tackles well. He is our favorite corner off the board. We also, and we also for the offensive tackle crowd, if you have questions, we did just, uh, we're, we're first-time GMs, and we did just give $30 million to Andre Dillard from the Eagles, who was a former first-round pick. And if we invest another high-leverage as- asset into that, into that position, it may look like we're second-guessing ourselves. I guess you go right-left alternates there. But um, the third aspect of this decision is the Titans would like to also enter their hat for the Caleb Williams ring next year. And to do that, we don't want to, to have too much time to throw the ball. So we're going cornerback. Oh, okay. You're, you're tanking for Caleb while taking Devin Witherspoon. And I'll make my pick for the Houston Texans right here in conjunction with this. And I'm going to run this to the podium. And we're going to take for the Texans at number 12, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who on some boards is a top five guy. These are the first two corners back to back. When I made the Houston Texans big board, picking at 12, I had Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jalen Carter as guys. If they fall, we'd take them. Otherwise, I had the top three corners lifted here. I would have been happy with either Witherspoon or Gonzalez. So for uh, you're talking about defensive head coach, Jimmy. D'Amico Ryans at Houston, two defenders in the top 12 with Will Anderson and Christian Gonzalez. Muhammad, what do you think of this run of corners right here? And no tackles yet, but do you think that the Titans and the Texans did the right thing here with taking the first two corners? Well, I think if you follow the logic that James is posing that, oh, you know, tank for, I think you mentioned it was Caleb Williams from USC. I mean, yeah, because obviously, like, I mean, the Titans need an offensive line because they don't have Taylor Lewan anymore. Obviously, uh, he's on the market, and so... Yeah, I mean, the fact they didn't go tackle is interesting, but, like, if you're thinking long-term and you think you can get Caleb Williams, I guess it makes sense. But, I mean, Devin Witherspoon, I think, is a great pick. I mean, I think he's easily the best corner in the draft. I know some people think it's Christian Gonzalez. I I think it's Witherspoon. I liked his senior bowl performance. That's where he kind of caught my attention. Um, But, yeah, I I think that's not a bad pick. Um, And, yeah, I know, like, with Gonzalez, obviously, he went after that, so... You know, again, like I said, they're both good corners. I think the Texans definitely got a, a good corner next to Derek Stingley. So I guess you can't go wrong with those guys either way. Tim, what do you think of the two corners going off the board here at 11 and 12? It's a good spot for them. I mean, I I personally would have gone Gonzalez over Witherspoon. This may be a shallow reason why, because Gonzalez is six foot two. And I mean, you know, you want the prototypical height for a corner in some cases. Gonzalez has the height to cover the tall receivers and the speed to cover the small receivers. And I, I do love Devin Witherspoon. He is ex- extremely physical. I mean, you want a hard-hitting defensive back, that is going to be the guy for you. But, you know... The value of corners is going to go up as much as, you know, the value of receivers is going up. And these are clearly, for me, the top two corners in this draft. So it makes sense that they go pretty early. Kind of surprised they both went before the tackles went. All right. Jets up at 13. Quick note, we recorded this before the actual trade on Monday for Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay to Jets. They flip-flop picks for now in real life. The Packers have 13. The Jets have 15. But for this mock, the Jets are up at 13. 
Andrew Gillis, you are up. What are you doing for New York? Yeah, uh, felt pretty safe with this at 13. Um, you know, there was that you kind of look at what's going on in New York with everything at quarterback. And and obviously that has been a real, real slow play this offseason. Kind of felt like everything was going to happen a few months ago. Um, but you need somebody to block for him, um, which is why I think that uh, I feel really good about drafting Paris Johnson uh, with this pick. You, you need a tackle. Um, you know, you look at their offensive line. Mekhi Becton's been hurt a lot. You feel good about the interior there. Elijah Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, Laker Tomlinson. You, you like that. But if you can get another tackle, you need kind of an insurance policy with Becton because, like I said, he's been he's been injury prone through his career. If you get another tackle in there, you know, your offense, you, you're, you're feeling really good about it considering Garrett Wilson looks like a future star. You know, you got Corey Davis, Alan Lazard. You know, running back, again, Brees Hall looks the part, like, there's a lot going on offensively for a defense. It was pretty good. So I think if you can get Aaron Rodgers, assuming Aaron Rodgers, uh, some protection, then uh, then the Jets are, are looking pretty good for 2023. Nathan Baird, what do we think of Paris Johnson at this point to the Jets at 13? And also as the Bears, you traded down to 14. Was Paris Johnson on your board if he had gotten to you? Uh, maybe. And uh, I can kind of talk about both things, I guess, at the same time. Because when I traded out of nine, I thought, I think there's like four offensive linemen now that have put themselves in a similar conversation, offensive tackles, I should say. And if you're the Bears and all the needs that you have, you would take any of those four plus another top 50 pick was kind of just the math I was doing there. And I didn't expect to keep, to come within one pick of still having to make the Peter Skronsky, Paris Johnson Jr. decision that I thought was is going to be facing them, staring them in the face at number nine, I think. And we'll see what they decide to do on draft night. But I think just it, it's just as likely that they would take Peter Skronsky at nine over Paris Johnson. Um, I've definitely seen a lot of mocks out there that, that say they'll take Johnson. But I'm just going to go ahead and, and take Peter Skronsky from uh, Northwestern here. It gets them the offensive line help that they definitely desperately need. But they get to do it in this scenario while also adding another top 50 player, as I said before. All right, so we went corner, corner. Now we go tackle, tackle. Jets, Paris Johnson at 13. Bears with the trade down. Peter Skaronsky at 14. Muhammad, that brings us to the Packers at 15. What are you thinking? Man, they. I'm not going to lie. Andrew and, uh, and Nate, you guys took my two favorites. I was looking at Johnson Jr. and Skaronsky. I think, yeah, I mean, look, Jordan Love, assuming he's the quarterback, which I think is going to be the case like we've talked about. He needs targets, yes. And maybe this is the whole... Comparing it to the Bengals in 2021, do you take Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell? I think in this case, if you're the Packers, do you take a tackle or a receiver? I would have taken a tackle. I don't know if I still want to take a tackle. So I think I'm just going to lean towards taking a weapon. So with that, I am going to take Quinton Johnson from TCU. I think he is everything you want in a receiver. His size, he's six foot four, 215. Um, when I watch him on tape, I like the way he runs a vertical route, especially when he was at TCU. I mean, that's a big reason why they made it as far as they did, uh, you know, in the championship game. Average like, what, almost 20 yards per catch? I mean, if you're Jordan Love, you're taking over this offense. You need a, a target to throw to since they obviously lost Alan Lazard. I think that's a good replacement. Um, and obviously, if there were other guys available like Jackson Smith and Jigba available, I would have definitely – uh, love to go that route, but he's off the board. So Johnson was my guy after that. But yeah, 
pretty simple. But like I said, even with this pick, I still think I would have leaned towards the offensive line. I just don't know if I want to take any of the guys that are on the board right now, like Darnell Wright. But Quentin Johnston, the best big receiver in this draft by far. Like, And I think it's an interesting pairing here with Christian, Christian Watson as a speed guy that the Packers drafted last year. So another weapon for Jordan Love. Adding the second receiver off the board following Jackson Smith and Jigman. That brings us to Washington, Nathan, at number 16. So I thought uh, Muhammad was going to make my job easier uh, when he was talking about taking a weapon. There was a guy that I was considering for Washington here that I thought he might take, but he didn't. Um, uh, I, I don't know if I should go ahead and say that, but it was Dalton Kincaid, the tight end for Utah. And with, with Eric and B enemy there, I thought maybe he'd try to go get his his Travis Kelsey. But I'm going to make a different pick. So I think it might be more fun uh, for the draft. And it's one that they need to do. They need help in the secondary. Cornerback is one of their huge needs. So they will take Joey Porter Jr. here, the cornerback from Penn State, taking him one pick before the Steelers could take him. Um, so kind of, you know, spoiling definitely some Steelers fans who would want to uh, have him reunited in uh, in Pittsburgh. But uh, it, this is a real need for Washington and a team that was, you know, 8-8-1 last year, uh, cusp of the playoffs, and a guy like this can maybe help push him across the edge. Big corner out of Penn State. This feels like the consensus third corner. I think that's a good pick for him. This feels like the right spot. Jimmy, your 17 for Pittsburgh was Joey Porter Jr. potentially on the board for you, making a, a wonderful story here in Pittsburgh. Did Nathan stick it to you? We know that the the Pittsburgh Steelers like to to keep it close to home, but uh, we're pretty we're pretty locked in on offensive tackles. We have a quarterback in Kenny Pickett who we believe um, is a worthy captain who needs a good ship. So we're gonna go and put uh, Broderick Jones, the tackle from Georgia, uh, on our offensive line. Try to anchor the protection around Pickett. We have ex- the the drawback with Jones is that he is. Uh, not the most experienced player, and we will allow him the room to grow. We, we certainly hope that he overtakes uh, Dan Moore and the other Steelers tackle, whose name is very difficult for me to pronounce, but it starts with an O. Um, a Korafor, I think, is it? Yeah, Korafor. Um, we very, very much hope that Broderick Jones usurps both of them as a starter very quickly, but if he doesn't, we have two guys in-house who can hold down the fort um, until he's ready. We like the way he moves, and we like his his pedigree. We like that he was in the SEC. We like all of those things, and we like him to protect Kenny Pickett going forward. All right, that's the third tackle off the board. There feels like a, like a top four of tackles. That's a good pick for Broderick Jones out of Georgia to Jimmy and the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 17. Mary Kay Cabot is picking 19th with Tampa, and I already have something in my head, and I just love I, – I, I am at the point where I actually want Mary Kay Cabot to be a general manager. We would hate to lose you, Mary Kay, but I want it to happen. So please, I mean, there's people out there. If if uh, What's the guys? Mike Mayock can do it. Mike Mayock can do it. Mary Kay Cabot can do it. I can't – I have – Something in my head that I wonder if she's going to do at 19. And Dan, no offense to you, but it's the barge. Detroit at 18 is first. Dan, I'm excited for you too, but I'm just super excited for Mary Kay. Dan, what are you doing here for the Lions uh, at number 18? Well, since you don't care about this pick, we're taking a defensive tackle anyway. <laughs> we're just going to take Brian Bruzzi out of Clemson. Uh, that's that's our guy here. We needed we need some interior uh, meat on that defensive line. So we're just going to go with the defensive tackle. And now you can move on to the pick that you really want, Doug. No, no, no. I don't want to give it's fine. The Lions, it's fine. The Lions are building something here. This is another guy who I think was the number one overall recruit in his class, just like Nolan Smith was. This is a guy, big upside. 
you know, I had a good career at Clemson, wasn't a dominant guy, but like traits, there's traits all over the place, Tim. Like Brian Brzee here is a, is a good pick. And I, there's a bunch of Clemson, there's a multiple Clemson guys who are still kind of an upside, some upside swings here in the back half of the first round. But I like this one by Dan. I just think Dan and the Detroit Lions made a great pick. And Tim, we want to give them their props for it because I just think Dan Lobby is a great GM as well. What do you if, think, you're an, if you're an offensive line in the NFC North, good luck for the next 10 years. You know, they already have an athletic freak in Aiden Hunchton. Now you had Brian Brissy, also an athletic freak. I mean, that's just devastating. That could be potentially devastating. I mean, Brad Holmes certainly has done a heck of a job, or in this case, Dan Lobby has done a heck of a job here in this draft, uh, adding one of the more dynamic defensive tackles in there in this class. I think the thing with Brissy didn't quite produce as much as you would expect the number one overall player in the country to do. Injuries have played a part in it for sure. But, I mean, you're betting on upside, and that's a smart play. Now we're done with Dan. Mary Kay, what are you going to do at number 19 <laughs> with Tampa? I have a guy in my head. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Who you taking for the Bucks? You know what? I actually could use a suggestion here. I have I have somebody that I, I could go ahead and pick. But, you know, Baker Mayfield just isn't doing it for me. In Tampa Bay. But, you know, when I look at the rest of these quarterbacks, I am not really sure. Go ahead and do it. Did you have a quarterback in your head, Doug? Yeah, go ahead and take him. You have one? Take Hendon Hooker. Take Hendon Hooker. Swing. Let's do it. Let's do Hendon Hooker here. Let's let's do it. He's Dak Prescott. Like, this is one of those where he wasn't there at the Combine, and now his name has been out there. Muhammad, Hendon Hooker, 19 to Tampa. What are we thinking about this? Uh, it, it's funny because I actually watched him at Virginia Tech and Tennessee. I, I covered him actually in the Belk Bowl when I covered Kentucky at the time. That's who they played. Ah, man, you put me on the spot here. This is tough because I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks in the entire like 2023 class. But then he tore his ACL at the end of the year. I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I know um, – I think it was Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN. He thinks that they should go with – I don't know he had a specific team. He just thought he was a first-round pick. I guess you could. I think, listen, if, if he stays healthy and he bounces back from his injury, I love that pick. But at the same time, it's the polar opposite. If the injuries haunt him, then it's like, what were you doing? But I'm okay with it as long as he stays healthy. I'm, I'm going to just kind of leave it like that, like with, with conditions attached. You know, I did not expect – I covered him in the Belk Bowl to be said on this <laughs> podcast today. But what do you know? You get eight people from Cleveland.com together. You never know what's going to happen. Tim, do you think Hooker is going to go in the first round in the real draft on Thursday night? Tough to say. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's coming off a torn ACL. I mean, if there's a situation that makes sense, it's Tampa Bay. They need a guy who can be a quarter, can play quarterback. You know, I, I agree with Mary Kay. I don't know how much I trust Baker Mayfield, but – I think Hooker might need a little time just because he's coming up to torn ACL. And I will say, I personally feel like if Hendon Hooker hadn't torn the ACL, he would have won the Heisman Trophy last year. I know Caleb Williams was awesome, but if you saw, everybody saw what Hendon Hooker and Tennessee were doing last season before he tore that ACL. They were just absolute, absolutely dominating everybody not named Georgia. So that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense here. You're putting, you are essentially going to the, the, the only question is when's he going to be, be available to play and how long of a career is he going to have so andrew you are up next at pick 20 to the seattle seahawks let me ask and the, the seahawks have talked about this this way that they have geno smith as a good veteran quarterback right now but Pete carroll has said like hey man like we're not up here that often and this is sort of like would they take a quarterback 
with their pick that they got from Denver at number five, where you took Jalen Carter, and that was a very good pick. Was Hendon Hooker on no. your mind at all? Um, was, and then what are you doing with number twenty for Seattle? Twenty. Uh, I don't even. I don't even think I considered it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Mary Kay. I, maybe I did Mary Kay wrong here. I was just so excited for Mary Kay to take three quarterbacks with the three first round picks. Sorry. Once again, you know, I would rather swing and miss on a quarterback than swing and miss on, on any other position in the first round. So I, I wanted to go with a quarterback here. I just wasn't sure quite which one I liked the best, but I'm totally cool with Hooker here. <laughs> oh, darn. All right. So, Andrew. Um, yeah. I, uh, no hand I'm going to think you, uh, but... wide out Jordan oh, wow. Addison um, from USC. <laughs> uh, I, I think with Seattle, you know, you commit to Geno for, for three years. You're not necessarily doing anything long term, kind of like we talked about with quarterback. But, you know, Kenneth Walker played really well. You have DK Metcalf. I think there are some, some interesting kind of lines you can draw between Addison and, and Tyler Lockett. Uh, Tyler Lockett, I think, is 31 or 30 right now. Um, so it's not exactly, you know, young uh, in the NFL. So I, I, D. Eskridge, I'm not I'm not sold on that. I just think if you're going to do that with a quarterback, you know, Mary Kay's right that you kind of need to get a quarterback that is, you know, really high ceiling. You need to shoot for that. But if you don't have that, because there are not a lot of those guys, you need to do everything you can to build around it. So, you know, I like what we did in the in the in the top five. Uh, I would have considered Richardson if Richardson was there, just because I think this is kind of a long-term play. But you know, again, you, you're feeling good about uh, where you are in the front four or in uh, front seven. So now you go receiver. You have DK Metcalf. You have Jordan Addison. You have Kenneth Walker in the backfield. Geno Smith has some help, and uh, I, I like this pick for Seattle. All right, smart pick, third receiver off the board. When we come back, we'll do a quick reset and then make the final picks in this draft, starting with number 21 and Tim Bielek. We'll do that next on this special crossover mock draft from Cleveland.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Tim, before you make your pick, do you want to maybe reset on some of the best available guys still on the board here as we are through 20 picks in our first round? Oh, well, probably the best available defensive player right now is Kalijah Kansi, the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. You know, blazing 40 time faster than Aaron Donald. I know that doesn't mean a lot for defensive tackles because they're running 40 yards. Something really wrong happened. So, but he's a disruptor in the middle. Dalton Kincaid, tight end from Utah, Michael Mayer, tight end from Notre Dame. This is a really good tight end class. Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher from Iowa right now, is like the top edge on the board still. Also a receiver, you've got Zay Flowers from Boston College still available. Josh Downs from North Carolina still available. So there's pretty good depth at a lot of positions. All right. So, Tim, do you have those guys available to you? What are you doing here at number 21 for the Chargers? Allow me to paint a brief picture. Justin Herbert finally got to the playoffs, but last season he threw he had the worst yards per attempt of his career. I done the I do the quarterback power rankings so I keep track of this stuff. Keenan Allen turns 31 on April 27th. So he's got a Thursday birthday. That's night one of the draft. Mike Williams didn't get any younger either. The Chargers need a field stretcher. So with the 21st pick, I am going receiver, but I'm going off the board. I am taking 
Jalen Hyatt at number 21 from Tennessee. I mean, you want a field stretcher? This is the best field stretcher in this entire draft. I mean, Tennessee's in t- part of Tennessee's game plan was we're just going to throw the ball through the Jalen Hyatt. We're going to tell basically tell you we're going to do it, and you still can't stop it. I mean, how often was Jalen Hyatt being everybody deep last season? Even Alabama couldn't stop Jalen Hyatt on the deep ball. I know we only ran a 4-4-140. I know I'm saying only because I think everybody expected 4-2, maybe a high, maybe a low 4-3. But I mean, when you have a pos- possession guys and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, you ne- I would get the best field stretcher you can. I like it. This is, you know, based on big boards, maybe a little bit high, but you're leaning into your quarterback. You're leaning into a team that has that has done really well in the draft defensively the last couple of years. Like Let's give our great quarterback another weapon and go win. Like, go win right now. So I think this is smart reasoning by you, Tim. Jalen Hyatt, number 21 to the Chargers out of Tennessee. And that brings us, Muhammad, back into the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens. Muhammad, you are up for them. Yes, sir. Uh, This was actually easier than I thought it would be. Um, There's been talk about what do you do with the Lamar Jackson situation? Do you trade him and this pick? Do you do whatever? I don't think you worry about any of that right now. I think instead you worry about the fact that you don't have a a starting corner because Marcus Peters is still a free agent, and I don't think he's coming back if he hasn't been re-signed at this point. So looking at the best corners available, I think you got to go with, at the 22nd pick, the Ravens, I think I have to go with Deontay Banks out of Maryland. I mean, it's kind of like I did with Nolan Smith, Georgia, Falcons, you know, I mean, what, Maryland, the Ravens just down the street from each other. I mean, you know, look, he, he fits all the boxes, like six foot, 200 pounds. He had one of the best 40 yard dash times in the entire combine, not just among, you know, defensive backs, a 4.35 40 yard time, a 42 inch vertical, had almost an 11 and a half foot broad jump, broad jump. I mean, if you look at his tape, I don't think there's anything that's on his tape that I didn't mention already with his attributes. I, I do think he can work on his press technique a little bit. Um, I watched a little bit of his film. A while back, and I think that's the only nitpicking criticism I have of him. But man, the versatility, the skill set—I mean, yeah, like his size is good, six foot, two hundred pounds. But I don't even think he really needs to use it just because of how versatile he is. I think the Ravens should be happy with this one, and yeah, I think their defense, for what it's worth, will be in decent shape if they get him in this draft. I like Muhammad keeping the hometown people happy with uh, another hometown pick, Deontay Banks. He's a good corner. I like it. Number 22 to Baltimore. Dan, I only gave you cold teams. So you've made two picks for Detroit. You are now on the clock at number 23 for Minnesota. Well, this is, I'm like an, like a, an insider here from the lions. I moved over to the Vikings building. So I'm going to sabotage Minnesota perhaps here. I actually liked Deontay banks as uh, as an option there. I think with Minnesota, <clears throat> you know, they could, they could use a corner, so I'm going to go with the next corner here on the board because I think this is the right direction to go. And I'm going to take Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. Uh, it's about six foot. Uh, he's actually ranked on Dane, in Dane Brugler's uh, rankings. He's right behind Deontay Banks. So I'm going to take the guy, you know, right there. We saw Mississippi State corner last year have success uh, when the Browns took uh, Martin Emerson. A little bit smaller, but uh, but that's okay. I'm still going to go corner here because I think that's what Minnesota needs. All right. So we went receiver, receiver with Addison and Hyatt. Now we go corner, corner with Banks and Forbes. Number 24 to Jacksonville. That brings us to Nathan Baird picking for the Jags. 
So earlier today, I was prepping for this, and I used the PFF mock draft thing, and I ran four times with the four teams that I was doing. And every single time when I got to the Jaguars at 24, I took one of two players uh, at defensive tackle. It was going to be either Kalijah Cansey, or if he was gone, Brian Bressey. And in this case, Bressey's already gone, so I will take Kalijah Cansey from Pitt right here. Um, a guy who's not a, not a huge defensive tackle, but a, a disruptive guy and somebody that can help the Jacksonville take that next step that they made on their own last season. Tim, this feels like a good pick, right? This, this, this is an upside guy, right? That this, uh, you know, it, it can't just be because he plays the same position as Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald went to Pitt and they both went to Pitt, but also you're talking about explosiveness at defensive tackle, which is sometimes hard to find. Yeah, I mean, every quarterback will tell you that the one place they don't want pressure to come from is right up the middle, and Kalaji Kansi might be as good a pass-rushing defensive tackle as his entire draft. The concern, I guess, maybe, is that he's like two hundred, only about 283 pounds. But, you know, that as a young kid, I mean, you can probably add 10 pounds and probably be fine in a year or two. At 6'1", it's not also not quite a big deal because he's not a small defensive tackle. When you're shorter, you can afford to be a little smaller. Plus, like you said, he's just incredibly explosive. I mean, pass rushing defensive tackle option, you know, never a bad idea. Because, like, I mean, we've seen just how much Aaron Donald can take games over by himself. If Kalaja Kansi can even get into that stratosphere, this is a great pick. All right, that's a good pick. And that is up to me at number 25 for the New York Giants. And this is not necessarily a place of need for the Giants, but I just feel like there's value here at a premium position. So I'm going to take Miles Murphy from Clemson. As an edge guy, we'll pair him with Kayvon Thibodeau, try to get after the quarterback with the Giants. There's a, a They maybe need a corner a little bit more. I feel like we've kind of picked over the corner class. Keely Ringo's still out there. I just like Murphy better. Maybe receiver here. Zay Flowers is still on the board. I just like Murphy better. And so I feel and, – and sometimes Tim – and we're going to lean on Tim a little bit here as our NFL draft guy with, in the later picks – Sometimes I like, like, I think you maybe get even better Kayvon Thibodeau production in year two if you had another guy in that defensive line that can make an impact. What do you think of Murphy here at 25? He's definitely, you know, you're talking another high-level athlete, similar to Brian Brissy, you know, another former five-star prospect that came to Clemson, maybe didn't quite produce, you know, as much as you would expect to, but Again, you know, even in this spot in the draft, you bank on the athleticism, you bank on a leap from Kayvon Thibodeau, and you also bank on the fact that because you have Kayvon Thibodeau, it could take pressure off Miles Murphy where he doesn't need to be a star right away, doesn't need to be an impact player right away. If he is, that's a bonus, but it can help him ease his transition to the NFL a little bit. But, you know, adding that extra pass rush on the other side, trying to balance it out and really keep the offensive planning their protection one way, it, it makes a lot of sense. All right. 26 to Dallas, Jimmy Watkins, you are up. And it feels like maybe something happened here for the Cowboys that could be really good. I'm curious if you go there. What are you doing? Cowboys are trading back to 28. Hold hold, the hold your horses Bengals there. Hold your horses there. When, what, 28 and 131. That's a fourth. Where, and where was where was consulting your assistant general manager on this? Yeah, I made that I made that decision unilaterally, Muhammad. Wow, so I, I guess I my pick my doesn't own. even matter then. Okay, I guess you're, you're going to make the 26th overall pick then. This All is right, a then. personal call. I made it on my own. This is a, a war room controversy. Clearly, it is a war room, literally a war room right now. <laughs> so so we were prepared. We are prepared. We are going to act out the Bengals war room with the two Bengals people on this podcast, and Muhammad and Andrew. They're not supposed to be at war. This This actually feels like... 
This feels like Mike Brown just walked into Duke Tobin's office and is like, hey, by the way, I traded that pick. Yeah, pretty accurate. Remember, podcasting is fun. Podcasting is fun. Hey, we're having a mock draft, everybody. What a great time we're having. So the Bengals have moved up from 28 to 26. It's not a drastic move, so it it doesn't change all the thinking in the world. I feel like maybe Andrew has something in mind, but also you guys have to figure this out. We need Andrew and Muhammad to come to a consensus. So, Andrew, first, what's your thinking here making this trade? Yeah, um, so – I think the the picks by Baltimore and the picks by Minnesota, those two corners right there, that really kind of solidified, okay, we've got to do something here. Because if the Bengals had a chance at Kalijah Kansi or Miles Murphy, I, I mean that that's a really, really nice upgrade to their defensive line. Um, you know, I, I but I also, you know, I worry about tight end. Um, so I looked at it as okay, there's two guys on the defensive line that this team could take. And then there's a tight end who uh, I think is the best tight end in the draft. And the Bengals should take one of those three. And I wanted to guarantee that because I was a little worried about, uh, about what uh, Jimmy and Dallas was up to uh, Buffalo, who knows. And I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in trouble at 28. Um, so I figured, look, those three guys, Cansey Murphy and this unnamed player, um, I, I was, I was feeling pretty good about, so, uh, I, I just, I felt that that trio would have been, I mean, if you get one of these three guys, that's, that's a pretty solid first round in my book for the Bengals. So two of those three guys that you had in mind, Andrew are now off the yeah. board. So you're now down to the tight end. you like, yeah, correct. Well, I was okay with all three okay. of them. Muhammad, where, what are, who are the names? Who are you thinking about with who's left in the Bengals needs that you like at this point? Muhammad? Well, he, he said tight end is one of them. I think defensive line is not a position you have to upgrade, but one that I think, uh, think that you can't go wrong with, which is why I think those names he mentioned up front are good. Um, I also like Mozzie Smith. I don't know that I'd make him my first-round pick, but I do like him. Um, I also like Will McDonald, but like I said, I, I think I'm leaning towards tight end, and I know who Andrew's thinking, and I'd have to imagine that's Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, who's also a local Cincinnati area kid. He's right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Mayer, every year, people kind of overthink certain guys. Uh, I think last year, kind of ironically, it was it was another Notre Dame guy in Kyle Hamilton. Oh well, he ran a four point seven, and you know, okay, well he, we we can't draft him now because he didn't run a four six two. So I mean, that's great. Like I don't know, I just think that people kind of get in their own head here. Um, tight end is a position that takes a while to develop in the NFL. So you know, I really like having that extra fifth year. Um, so if you're going to take a tight end, I think first round is okay. And again, I, I just think Mayer is such an impact player for the Bengals where you can have an inline blocker, can you know, he can go catch the ball over the middle of the field. You've already got the outside weapons. Now you have somebody there. I, I think Mayer's the best, and I think people are kind of – people just – I don't know. I, I haven't kind of gotten the Dalton Kincaid and Darnell Washington stuff. I just think Mayer's the best tight end in the country and uh, maybe Brock Bowers but uh, in this draft, and uh, I'd go with Mayer here. Muhammad, let me ask, it feels like offensive tackle has been, is that right? Something that at least has been pondered for the Bengals at this spot. Darnell Wright from Tennessee is still on the board. Is that Would that be on your mind, Muhammad, or it's not something you guys have really brought up yet? Well, I mean, since he is on the board, I'd give it thought, obviously, because, you know, that's a good point. But like I said, I wasn't very high on him when I had the Packers pick, which is why I think he was more of like a bottom half of the first round kind of guy, like basically where we're at right now, but... 
I will say this. If Mayer was already taken, say, by you at 25 before, you know, this trade behind my back was done, um, or if, like, Dan had taken, you know, Mayer as well instead of Emmanuel Forbes, who, by the way, good pick, Dan. That's a guy I was looking at as well if he was available. Um, I don't really know. I think you can't pass up Michael Mayer. I think with Darnell Wright versus Michael Mayer, Mayer wins that in my book, so I guess Andrew and I have a consensus on that one. All right, so are we comfortable, Andrew Muhammad? You are in agreement. Michael Mayer, tight end, number 26 to the Bengals. Yes, sir. Look at that. Yes, sir. That sounds good to me. It started off as a war room, and it finished as a peace room. Really? And it? Yeah, it, it's fine. It's a podcast. It's we're fine. having fun, like you we said. We know what though. we're doing over here, Muhammad. We, we got it on. We got it on live. I love it. Michael Mayer off the board. And he's from Cincinnati? Is that right? He's from Cincinnati? Nor- Northern Kentucky. Well, he's from Northern Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is essentially the same thing. Yeah, right across the water. Look at all this. Everybody's coming home in our draft. We're making it happen. Bengals, number 26. Dan, last cold team for you. Buffalo at 27. What are you doing? So Buffalo, you know, they have a couple obvious needs, like linebacker. Um, that, that's something they could use. Corner, perhaps. But I'm actually eyeing an edge rusher here at number 27. You know, Buffalo's a team that kind of generally... They don't always have a star edge rusher. I know they signed Von Miller last year, but you know he's very much on the back nine. He was hurt anyway, so uh, he wasn't there to help them in the end. I think Buffalo could look at another edge rusher here because with Sean McDermott calling plays again, this is a team that generates pass rush, no matter who they have at the top. This guy, by the way, apparently started out playing hockey, so he's made for Buffalo. And so I'm going to take Lucas Van Ness here out of Iowa. Um, I think there's some value here taking him. You know, this is sort of where he's probably going to end up going late first, early second round. So I like grabbing Lucas Van Ness here and just adding to my edge rushers because guess what? I got to beat Joe Burrow. I've got to beat Patrick Mahomes. I've got to beat maybe, you know, a guy like Deshaun Watson. I got to beat Justin Herbert. I got to beat all these quarterbacks in this conference. I want edge rushers. So Lucas Van Ness is my guy. This is a guy, Tim, that on some some draft analysts on their big boards, they have him in the top 10 or top 15. What do you think of this Lucas Van Ness value at 27 to Buffalo? It's a steal. I mean, you know, Brandon Bean, probably this would be an easy pick, I'm sure. You know, the, the they got Gregory So two years ago, and he's just he's turned into a pretty good uh, edge rusher for the Bills. Van Ness is, it's amazing that he, you know, he's ranked as high as he is. It goes early, is, is despite the fact that he never started a game at Iowa. But you look at Iowa's defense, just how great it was, you know, the fact that it kept the Hawkeyes in so many games last season, and in fact, won them so many games as they did last year. Van Ness was a big part of it. And, you know, he goes to a situation in Buffalo where he can kind of fit in with a group of edge rushers, continue to develop, continue to learn more nuance of playing that position. But, you know, that is a, like I said, that's a tremendous steal for the Bills. All right, we're going to go to number 28. This is now Dallas on the trade down with the Bengals. Jimmy, what made you open to the trade down and that Mayer and Van Ness are off the board? Does that mess you up at all? Or did you have a guy in mind when you moved down two spots? Uh, we were looking at tight end after losing Dalton Schultz and targeting tight ends on, I think it's like 23% of dropbacks last year in Dallas. Michael Mayer is is a nice tight end. There are two more that we like at this spot. And uh, we are gonna, we're going to go ahead and take uh, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. He is the rare tight end with a track background um, ran the hundred meters in 11 to five back in the day also has background in 
alpine ski racing. These are just fun facts that I found while researching him. He does have uh, what we will call a problematic medical background, missed a lot of time in college, but um, the upside is super high. We are not like the, the Cowboys have brought in Brandon Cooks to, to help bolster the receiving room. Michael Gallup should be better after a full year coming back healthy, but like, I don't know. I think we could use another weapon in that room or in that, that part of our passing game. We think Luke Musgrave, um, not, not much of a blocking tight end. If that's what Brian Schottenheimer's plan is for him, we'll have that conversation with him later. I think he only, he did not block a ton in college, but really intriguing pass catching option for Dak Prescott. And, uh, he's the person we want to keep happy. So Musgrave's the pick. I figured that's what I was saying. It felt like with Dalton Schultz leaving, it was a nice spot for Dallas here with the way all, all the tight ends were on the board for you there. And then it feels like, Jimmy, that you were open to the trade down just because you wanted to take the alpine skiing guy. I mean, it was like, I found the alpine skiing nugget. I want to say it. So I'll move down two spots. But you added an extra pick, and you get a tight end that you like. I think this is a good move for Dallas. Luke Musgrave, 28 to the Cowboys. 29, Nathan, picking for the Saints. Who do you have for New Orleans? Yeah, so all of my mock drafting today has kind of gone for naught because there's all these guys that I think are interesting for the Saints right here. And I'm tempted to take a receiver uh, because who knows what's going on with Michael Thomas. I know they just got Chris Olave in the first round last year, but Zay Flowers is really, really good value here. But I think safety is a bigger need. I'm going to take Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. I think that's really good, Tim. What do you think of that pick? If he was there at 30, that he was my pick for the Eagles at number 30. So now I got to work a little bit with this. But I think Branch is one of the safest picks in this draft. I mean, he's a guy who could, you know, do do both the free and the, the strong things you need to do. He could play slot corner if you want. He just seems like a player that is not going to fail in the NFL. And I think, you know, there's value in knowing that a player is at least going to be at the very worst solid. May not, you know, be a super high potential guy, but a guy who's at least solid, capable, you know, he's going to be reliable and get the job done. I thought he would have been a good replacement in Philadelphia for CJ Gardner Johnson. So, you know, kudos to you for beating the Eagles to the punch there. Good pick Nathan for the saints. Tim, you're up for the Eagles at 30. Yeah. So that's, this makes things a little more complicated. Um, Brian branch was my guy. Uh, I had, really looked at it a lot as you know potential options so now i kind of have to go in a different direction a little bit eagles don't need edge rusher help uh the next safety i would not take for a little while um i think just going to be a little weight on that so i think this may only be a small bit off the board but i think because of the combine he had that really opened my eyes so i'm going iowa linebacker jack campbell I think he's a guy who looks like he looks the part of, you know, your old school middle linebacker for the 1980s, 6'5", something like 246 pounds. But when you watch him, he is nothing like that. He is he's big and he's physical, but he moves incredibly well. He's a true three down linebacker. He can run the middle of a defense, can cover, can get after a quarterback and stop the run. I mean, this guy can absolutely do it all. And, you know, the Eagles just continue to. And another case where the Eagles need to kind of continue to reload on that defense, I would have Brian Branch would have been a nice uh, CJ Gardner Johnson replacement. There's no corners I really like, so I wanted to get a nice uh, addition to the middle of the defense with Campbell. Nathan, you put Tim on tilt. You took his guy, and Tim's like, I don't know, Iowa linebacker. No, listen, Jack Campbell preseason Cleveland.com <laughs> Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and then lived up to it. 
made a had a great pick on CJ Stroud against Ohio State. He's like a really good football player, Nathan. Like this is this is the kind of guy that I think could you know could easily go in the forties, like in the middle of the second round. But again, if you're a good team taking a good football player, this is how you keep winning. And I think Jack Campbell is just good at football. Yeah, I could totally see something like this happening. A team that's drafting, you know, already a playoff team, drafting late in the first round and just needs a linebacker and can can take him and, and plug him right in and, and seize the value there. Uh, it might be more likely, like you said, that he falls into the second round. There may be teams that, that see the athletic upside of some other guys that are still on the board. But a guy that you look at and say, oh, yeah, that's that guy's going to fit in the NFL pretty easily. All right, so the Dolphins lost their first round pick. I don't know. What did they do? They sent Tom... Brady Flowers or something, they broke a rule. I don't know what they did. They probably should lose a pick for the way they handled two of his concussions, too. So no pick for the Dolphins. There's only 31 picks in the first round, which means, Andrew, you are wrapping it up at number 31 with the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. What are you doing? Yeah, uh, this was this is an interesting pick. Um, you know, you can I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes, so like it's hard to kind of quantify worry on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think it really matters who his receivers are, um, you know, but again, you, you lose Juju and you're starting receivers right now, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, MVS. Like, I'm not sure how you're feeling about that, but I'm also not sure if you're drafting, you know, a true impact there. Uh, you lose Orlando Brown in free agency. Um, you lose Andrew Wiley in free agency. So you, there, there's a lot of different ways that this can go. Um, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Darnell Wright tackle from Tennessee. Um, you know, I just you look at their offensive line right now. You bring in Juwan Taylor in free agency. And I think that that's, uh, you know, there's your left tackle. Now Darnell writes your right tackle. Bada boom, bada bang. You have you have a new tackle tandem in an offseason, which, you know, kind of looked like it could not go so great in that department. Uh, I think you can get receivers later. But, uh, you know, keeping Patrick Mahomes, you know, with giving him as clean of a pocket as possible is has got to be paramount because if that guy has time to throw, I mean, there aren't many defenses, if any defenses, that are going to stop him. So I uh, I like tackle here, and I think uh, you can address some of your other needs later on in the draft. Now, it feels like tackle makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs here, and Darnell Wright lasting this long yeah. is really good. This is the kind of thing that happens to good teams. Right. right? It's like, oh, we kind of have a need. Oh, what should we do? Oh, there's a guy who probably should have gone 19th, who fell to 31. Oh, we're the Chiefs. We'll take Darnell Wright. So I think this is a really smart way, Andrew, for you to wrap up the draft here. I would say guys that didn't go in the first round that might be a little bit surprising. Dalton Kincaid, who's been mentioned, the Utah tight end. Zay Flowers, the Boston College receiver, who's been mentioned. Maybe that's about it. Does anybody else have somebody who now here we are at the end of the draft who's like, wow, I can't believe this guy did not get picked. Nathan, you're nodding your head. Are you surprised by somebody? Well, I was surprised by two things. Number one, I was surprised you didn't give yourself the 31st pick so you could take DeWan Jones from Ohio State, who's another, but but with but with Darnell Wright falling there, I think you might have also taken Darnell Wright there if you had given yourself the thirty-first pick, because I think the value there is too good. Uh, a guy that I was going to take at twenty-nine with the Saints, I was going to stay on the defensive interior, and I, I thought that Brian Branch was just too much value to pass up there. But a guy that I was really impressed with, I think you were too, Doug. Um, Adetamiwa Adabawari, defensive interior guy from Northwestern, like, he was a dude against Ohio State. And putting him as a, a three tech in in that um, in that defense, I think would be a big boost for New Orleans. So I I think he's a guy that could climb his way back into the first round just because he had a really good Senior Bowl. Uh, I think he tested really really well at the combine. A guy that's kind of on the rise. All right, let's see if I can read my handwriting. You guys get your thoughts together. 
things that surprised you, most interesting thing that happened, the shocking pick, the best pick, the pick that messed you up the most as a drafter. Mary Kay left, by the way. Mary Kay is like, I have news to gather. I don't know. I think this fake NFL stuff is great. I have actual news to gather as one of the very best NFL reporters in the land. Not that you guys aren't great too, but I gave Mary Kay her three picks in the top 20. I said, you can leave if you want. So that's why she's not talking anymore because she drafted. Th- that's what a mic drop. Three quarterbacks out on Mary Kay Cabot. That's why she's a Hall of Famer. I'm going to read through the picks. You guys get your thoughts in order, and then we'll wrap up here on our mock draft for the 2023 NFL Draft for Cleveland.com. Number one, Carolina Bryce Young. Number two, Indianapolis trades up from four and takes Anthony Richardson at quarterback. Number three, Vegas trades up and takes C.J. Stroud. Number four, Houston trades down and takes defensive end edge guy Will Anderson. Number five, Seattle, Jalen Carter. Number six, receiver from Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Number seven, Arizona trades down. It's edge rusher Tyree Wilson. Number eight, Atlanta, Nolan Smith. Number nine, New England trades up, takes a quarterback, Will Levis. Number 10, Philadelphia, B. John Robinson at running back. Number 11, Tennessee, the first corner off the board, Devin Witherspoon. Number 12, Houston, second corner, Christian Gonzalez. Number 13, the Jets, first tackle, Paris Johnson. Number 14, Chicago on a trade down with New England, second tackle, Peter Skaronsky. Number 15, Green Bay, Quentin Johnston. Number 16, Washington, Joey Porter Jr. Number 17, Pittsburgh, Broderick Jones at tackle. Number 18, Detroit, Brian Brzee. Number 19, Tampa Bay, Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. Number 20, Seattle, Jordan Addison, the USC receiver. Number 21, another receiver, the Los Angeles Chargers take Jalen Hyatt. Number 22, Baltimore, Deontay Banks from Maryland at corner. Number 23, Minnesota, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State at corner. Number 24, Jacksonville. Kalijah Cansey, the defensive tackle from Pitt. Number 25, the Giants take Miles Murphy from Clemson. Number 26, Cincinnati trades up two spots to take Michael Merritt tight end. Number 27, Buffalo, Lucas Van Ness, defensive end from Iowa. Number 28, Dallas moves down two spots and takes Luke Musgrave, the tight end from Oregon State. Number 29, New Orleans takes Brian Branch, the Alabama safety. Number 30, Philadelphia takes Jack Campbell, Iowa linebacker. And number 31, Kansas City takes um, Darnell Wright, the Tennessee offensive tackle. Andrew. Front of mind, what are you thinking about this draft as we wrap it up here at Cleveland.com? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Seahawks, the Jets, and the Bengals had great jobs. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, you know, the the one uh, the the one pick that I again with the Jets at thirteen, I was really really, con- I mean, I was like, all right, well, I'll just take one of the tackles and I'll be fine. Uh, and then uh, Devin Witherspoon started to fall. Uh, I really like that pick with uh, with Tennessee. I think that that was probably the best one. Um, just because, I mean, I was considering him at five too. You know, I think you could make a really good case that if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter go in the top four, then Witherspoon might be that pick there because I mean, with Tariq Woolen, that's, that's a really good secondary. The Legion of Boom is back. Like that's, that's a nice pick. So I think, uh, it, it kind of fits Tennessee. Uh, you get, you get some help on defense. You kind of set yourself up for, for a Caleb Williams run, which is probably what they should do. So I, I thought Witherspoon was probably the best pick. Um, you know, just the, um, just because I think he's, again, I think he's the best corner in the draft. The, the quarterbacks, I just, the quarterback stuff was confusing to me. I, I just, I don't see it with, with Hooker or Levis. Um, especially when you have the guys coming out next year, to me, that's a roster building situation where, you know, Hey, look, Tampa Bay might not be very good. Let's, let's see what else we can do across the board. Let's build our roster and then we'll figure out quarterback later. So the quarterback stuff I, I was, I was pretty confused by. I was, I was interested to see how, uh, how aggressive people were there. Dan lobby. What'd you think of the draft? 
I, I, you know, I'll, I'll go with Anthony Richardson here, just sort of when I look at this draft, because I think he's the most intriguing person in this draft. Like, what are teams going to think of him? Who's going to be willing to take a big swing on him if anybody is? And of course, in this draft, you went number two. I was thinking about trading up to three to get him, but that's easy for us to do because our jobs aren't on the line if we draft Anthony Richardson and he is not very good. Um, I think if he goes to the right situation, it can work. But I also wonder if there's a bunch of teams out there that are looking at Josh Allen and looking at Lamar Jackson and looking at you know non-traditional quarterbacks who weren't always great in college and thinking, well, we can do that. When the reality is there's only a handful of teams that can handle that, that can bring in a quarterback and really develop him and have patience. And like, like in Josh Allen's case, he was terrible for two years. And then he suddenly morphed into an MVP candidate who he's got to go to the right place. And I'm, I'm just curious what the right place is for him. So to me, that I, I think he's the most intriguing guy in this draft because of the position he plays because of the upside and also because of the fact that if you miss on him, it, it could cost you your job. I, I just think it's really intriguing. Muhammad Ahmad, what did you think of this draft? Well, kind of like Andrew said, the quarterback situation was interesting. I'm still kind of mesmerized by Mary Kay's pick of Anthony Richardson, not only at number two, but with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, man, Will Levis at, at the Patriots, and I know that's obviously another trade. I guess it was from the Bears um, with what we had in this draft, but like, I would have never imagined a roster with Bailey Zappi, who, again, not to toot my own horn here, but I'm like one of only three people that covered him at Western Kentucky. Um, so I actually personally know the guy very well. He was fun to cover, but him, Mac Jones, and another SEC quarterback, Will Levis, just, I would have never imagined, how did the Patriots go from being like a dynasty to a literal train wreck at quarterback? Like, you know what I'm saying? You go from one polar opposite to the other. That's just beyond my imagination. Who knows if this actually happens? It wouldn't shock me at this point. I'll tell you who I really like, though. And I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out to Tim Bellick here. I like B. John Robinson to the Eagles. That's like, I mean, him and Jalen Hurts with that offensive line, which is still pretty darn good. You know, you're talking about the defending NFC champions who, like, really should have won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, Miles Sanders is out the door. No problem. Easy fix. Uh, I really like that. I guess, yeah, I... um you know, I think there were some other sneaky good picks. Like like I told Dan, I thought Emmanuel Forbes to the Vikings was good. I mean, if you're in a situation where like somehow the Bengals couldn't get either Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer or Kalijah Cancy or Miles Murphy or Brian Breezy, I would have said, hey, why not get Deontay Banks? Eli Apple's not coming back. Trey Flowers probably isn't coming back. Like, why not? Like, I think that's a very, very slept on pick that Dan made. And I, I'm a big Emmanuel Forbes guy. I've watched a lot of his tape. Uh, but I guess my last mesmerizing pick, and uh, I know I'm picking on Mary Kay here because I already mentioned her first pick she made, but man, Hendon Hooker to the Buccaneers. I mean, him competing with Baker Mayfield to replace Tom Brady? Like, just saying those words coming out of my mouth is like, what? It's like the same thing with the Patriots. Like, what? How did we get here? But you know what? That's the beauty of the NFL draft. Is it's it's anarchy, and I love anarchy. And this draft spells anarchy, which is a good thing. So people jump for quarterbacks. The thing I liked about how our draft unfolded is that there were surprising things, but people jump for quarterbacks. I think that's realistic. Will Levis goes ninth here. Will Levis is the betting favorite to be the number two pick right now as we record this on Monday afternoon. So like whatever the world thinks about Will Levis, he might've gone seven picks lower in our draft and he's going to go in the real draft. I bet Hendon Hooker goes in the first round. I think he has a package of like, like 
leadership elevated a program. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but if you're not taking him in the top five or top 10, that's a different conversation. So um, I'll, I'll watch the quarterbacks on Thursday night, as always. Jimmy Watkins, what would you think of this draft? Uh, just piggyback off the off the quarterback point. We all, I think all four quarterbacks were traded up for, which is, I think, to to Dan's point, is super easy for us to do. And we're just, you know, playing Pac-Man as GMs, right? And when you actually have to do it, I would almost look at it the other way. If I'm actually a GM and my goal is to continue having this job, I think if you, you can really, like, if you're not in love with a quarterback, you just wait, man. Like, this is kind of the... This is sort of something that I think we're figuring out as we go. There's look ahead. If you think there's good quarterbacks coming down the pike, get get a nice blue chip guy that will that will that will help set up uh, the ecosystem that you need for your quarterback. Maybe draft the tackle instead, or grab a wide receiver or something like that. Um, I think that the, there are more GMs starting to think that way. I think I mean I think that's what the Texans. I think that's what the Texans are thinking this year. Um, with all the smoke that's going around their pick. It doesn't sound like they are <clears throat> as interested in a quarterback as we first saw. So that's what jumped out to me. All right, Nathan Baird, what'd you think? And the Texans will still have multiple first rounders next year to, to do that with, which I think is, is, is part of the long-term strategy. I, I'm really intrigued by how much fear there might be out there about Jalen Carter. I think I would take him at five if I were the Seahawks. We'll see if that happens. I really thought, I mean, it's it's almost the dream scenario, I think, for the Bears that if they're still sitting there at nine and people are so scared off by him that they could still get the guy that they would have taken number one overall and uh, and still have added all this other draft capital for the next couple of years. But uh, I, I think that people are going to recognize the talent. Um, he's been through the process long enough. People have relationships with him. I think through this process, somebody will probably take a chance on him higher than that. But uh, he's obviously a fascinating guy to follow because he was at before all the, the, the stuff happened with the car wreck and everything. Like the guy was considered probably the best pure talent relative to his position or just overall in this draft. And now they're, if he free falls, who's going to be the one that takes that shot on him. So a couple of things that jumped out to me, no corners, no tackles in our first 10 picks, which is a little bit unusual. The first 10 picks, four quarterbacks, three edge guys, one defensive tackle, one receiver, one running back. I actually thought two late picks by Nathan were really good. I think Kalaja Kansi at number 24 to Jacksonville was really good. I thought Brian Branch at number 29 in New Orleans was really good. And then I've been booking bets that Dewan Jones from Ohio State will be a first round pick. If the tackles fall like this, no chance. So all the tackles fell, I think, a little bit more than I certainly expected. And if you get five, six tackles in the first round, I think DeWan Jones has a chance to go in the first round. If it's four tackles, he's not one of the top four tackles. So Andrew ended up taking the fourth best tackle at number 31. So then I'm going to lose my bets if that's how that actually falls. And we'll wrap this up with our draft expert, Tim Bielek. What would you think? I guess from a macro level, just looking at this draft in general, I think it goes to the unpredictability that we're looking at from the cycle. I mean, all we know pretty much is number one. We have no idea what's going to happen number two. We don't know outside of, you know, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, which non-quarterbacks are going top 10. We have no clue. And the fact that we had so many guys that were steals, Kalijah Canty at 24 to Jacksonville, Brian Branch 29 to the Saints, you know, in Lucas Van Ness 27 to the Bills in particular, in spite of the fact that there weren't a ton of reaches, speaks, I think, to the depth of the strap after about pick 14, 15, because from there, I think, into the 40s, you're looking at not a lot of drop-off. But kind of on a micro level, 
I like Will Levis at nine better than I like Anthony Richardson at number two. I would not start Anthony Richardson week one, no matter what right now. If, if I had any possibility, if there was any way I could do, prevent this from happening, I would not start Anthony Richardson right away. He, he needs time. He needs to work on his mechanics and he works on all the technical things of a quarterback, unless you're going to put him in an offense where it's like the, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, his rookie season when it's a lot of read option. They didn't ask him throw a lot. Will Levis, Maybe kind of give him the Josh Allen treatment, but I'll tell you right now, I love the, the potential of a goal line situation with him, Ramondre Stevenson, and James Robinson in those certain situations. I think that has a lot of fun potential. All right, that was it. That's our mock draft. We like crossing over. We like showing you what we do here with our football coverage at cleveland.com. If you listen to one of the podcasts, but maybe not the other ones, and you're maybe interested, great Bengals talk at Strictly Stripes with Andrew, with Mike, with Muhammad. Go listen to those guys. Browns, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. That's Dan. That's Ashley. That's Mary Kay. That's Irie jumping in. Go listen to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And then at Buckeye Talk, that's Nathan. That's Steven. That's me. We're talking about the Buckeyes five days a week. Jimmy Watkins, he's doing all kinds of rivalry stuff. He's poking people. He's poking, poking. But he's bringing the context from the other side, writing about the teams that we care about at Cleveland.com, Browns, Buckeyes, Bengals, those teams in the context of their rivals. It's a brilliant idea for a job, and Jimmy has done gangbusters work there so far. And then I don't know how it happened, but we have a draft expert at Cleveland.com. Tim Bielik lives this stuff year-round. He's crunching tape. He's looking at numbers. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. We certainly had fun doing it. Listen to all the podcasts. Read all the coverage at Cleveland.com slash sports. Everything goes there. You get all kinds of – the Cavs are in the playoffs. The Guardians have started – We have a ridiculous amount of sports happening. And then, of course, all the stories building up to the draft at Cleveland.com. And then once stuff happens on Thursday night, the Bengals will be making a pick. A bunch of Ohio State guys will be drafted. The Browns are sitting it out in the first round. But we'll have coverage with the Browns once they do start picking. And we hope you guys are joining us at Cleveland.com and with our series of podcasts. For now, for Mary Kay Cabot, for Tim Bielek, for Nathan Baird, for Jimmy Watkins, for Muhammad Ahmad, for Dan Lobby, and for Andrew Gillis. I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks, you guys, for listening to our massive mock draft crossover from Cleveland.com.